What's up and welcome into a crossover Thursday episode of Locked on Bucks and Locked on Jaguars, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am James Jarko, Deputy Editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com and one of the hosts of Locked on Bucks, joined by Tony Wiggins, the host, the man, the myth, the legend of Locked on Jaguars. You can check both of us out on those shows five days a week, as well as on Twitter at JRCO underscore bucks and at shop talking wig. This crossover Thursday episode is brought to you by prize picks. The easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL, all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. The biggest matchups, the most important players predictions all coming up for you in just a little bit. But, Wig, we got to start things off with the biggest stories surrounding these teams. And I'm going to defer to you to kick things off, though. I, I kind of suspect that uh, the biggest story surrounding the Jaguars heading into this one is the availability of Trevor Lawrence. But go ahead and tell everyone what's going on with the Jags right now. Yeah, Trevor apparently was injured in like the third quarter of the game against the Baltimore Ravens uh, on a play that ended up being an intentional grounding player, folks remember the Sunday night game. Yeah. Um, up to that point, he was like, I think he was 21 for 28 for 200 yards. And then after that, he ended up four out of 15. And uh, it, it really was telling, but after he didn't tell anybody until after the game that something was going on with him and they put him in concussion protocol. He's tough, but this is a league matter now. I mean, once you get in concussion protocol, it becomes – more than hey can you go it's like you got to pass all of these different you know parameters before you're allowed to play so there's a chance that he won't go and they'll have to go with cj bethard yeah and and bethard you know he's he's a backup for a reason but he's shown that he can play in this league and if there's one thing buccaneers fans are fearful of it's facing a backup quarterback because over the course of the last 10 years or so, they have a history of absolutely getting shellacked by backup quarterbacks, most notably Case Keenum. I think he did it like four different times. Absolutely <laughs> destroyed him. So, uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on there with Jacksonville. And and obviously Jags fans are hoping that Lawrence can go, but it's more important to get through this and, and be that same guy once he's out of concussion protocol, no matter when that is for a potential playoff run because this is not a team that's going to win any playoff games in my opinion if if Lawrence isn't the guy on the field under center. Yeah, they might not win some if he is the guy in the center with the way that they've been playing and uh to go back to something you said about backups, you speak in the Jaguars language because in successive weeks they lost to Cincinnati and Cleveland mm. both with backup quarterbacks. The last one really hurt because Joe Flacco was fishing or skeet fishing or, or squirrel hunting or something. I don't know what he was doing before uh, uh, Cleveland bought him in. And the thing about those two backups for us is they torched. They they threw for over 600 yards. Both of them went on for over 300 and completed about 70 some odd percent of their passes. So we know what it's like to play a, a backup quarterback. And yeah, for the Jaguars, it would be nice to kind of pay somebody back with a backup quarterback. They, I, they were not going to get mad at that. They'd say, okay, now we're even a little bit. Yeah, I, I think Bucks fans are hoping more for that uh, Joe Flacco or Jake Browning result. Uh, the biggest story surrounding the Buccaneers outside of the Devin White drama, which is something I've talked about all week long on Locked on Bucks, is their resurgence over the course of the last three weeks, especially in the run game. So 
Since week 12, the Buccaneers have averaged over 125 yards rushing per game. They were dead last in the NFL for weeks 1 through 11. So the fact that they are now averaging 125 yards a game over the course of the last month is outstanding. And a big reason is, of course, Rashad White, who has been an absolute monster for them, both in the run game and as a receiver. And, and Wig, I'm going to throw something out at you. I'm not sure if you heard this or not, but there are four players in the NFL that have 1,300-plus scrimmage yards and at least eight touchdowns. Those players are Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, and Rashad White, which is absolutely insane. He needs about 62 yards per game to get to 1,000 rushing yards on the season. But beyond that, on top of Rashad White's production, you have an offense that as a whole was nearly perfect against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau with Baker going for 381 and four. Godwin was up over 150 yards. Four different players caught touchdown passes on Sunday, and now they get to face a defense that's allowing over 250 passing yards a game and allowing uh, almost 22 and a half points per game. So Dave Canales coming off his best called game of the year, the chance to build on that and continue this winning streak for the Bucks is a huge opportunity. The only concern that I have, and you and I were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, is that they're no longer in this must-win situation that they've been in over the course of the last couple of weeks. So they might get a little complacent, might let off the gas, and that could turn around and bite them in the butt. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I do think – I think they might have a little bit of something to play for. And and what that is is there aren't very many games left, and you need to win everything that you can because you need to start getting on a roll. I don't know the actual – okay, whoever wins the NFC, it looks like it's going to be Dallas. I don't know based on what we've seen, but – the 49ers are obviously going to appear to be the one seed. Dallas or Philly may be the two seed. I don't know how far they are behind Detroit, but you could hope for a losing streak, and maybe you could get the three. It probably won't matter because if you're, if you're three, you're still going to have a very tough game, whether it's three and six or four and five or whatever. But uh, the Jaguars definitely have something to play for. If they, They're they in a tie right now, a tie that they actually on the tiebreaker uh, – they own the tiebreaker against the Indianapolis Colts. If they lose, they fall behind them again. And, and that's a problem. That That's a serious, serious issue. And they've lost, you know, they were at one point, they were eight and three. And they were playing Cincinnati on Monday night to have the number one seed. They've lost three in a row. If you make it four in a row, that's problematic uh, in terms of seeding for the playoffs and maybe even getting into the playoffs at all. Yeah, taking a look at it uh, right now, you know, you just said the, the Jags have lost three in a row. The Bucs have won three in a row, could make it six to get all the way to 10 and seven. They would have to have Detroit lose out the season to be at 10 and seven. And then Detroit has the head to head tiebreaker. So what they would really have to hope for is that Minnesota wins three in a row. The Bucs win three in a row. The Lions lose three in a row. I don't know the Lions Vikings tiebreaker situation, but the Bucs have the head to head over the Vikings. So it looks like the Bucks are pretty much locked into that four seed should they you know, go ahead and, and win the division, which means congratulations, you get to host the Eagles or the Cowboys. But you know, the Bucs played the Eagles pretty tough for a little more than a half when they played earlier this season. Could be interesting because 
they're in a little bit of a free fall. But we are going to be talking about the biggest matchups that are going to decide this game. That is coming up next here on a crossover Thursday episode of Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are currently one-and-a-half-point home underdogs to the Jacksonville Jaguars with an over-under of 43 and a half. So if you think the Bucs can win, you throw down $5 and you get 150 in bonus bets. On the flip side, if you think the Jaguars are going to win, you can do the same. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and score this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thank you again for making Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel channel every game is going to come down to a few key matchups and both of these teams you said it they they want to you want to go into the playoffs hot you want it you don't want to limp in you don't want to back in uh you don't want to do what the bucks did last year and get in there at eight and nine so what is it going to take for the jaguars to get off of this losing streak and and beat the bucks what matchup are you looking for to help them accomplish that I've said this a few weeks on crossover, so I'll go ahead and repeat it real quick. <clears throat> it's it's us versus us, the me versus me thing. Last week before they played the Ravens, one of my keys to them winning the game was every time they cross the 37-yard line or get to the 37-yard line of the opponent, they needed to find a way to get points. Now, that, that, that means that's a minimum of a 54-yard field goal, which Brandon McManus is more than capable of making. He missed two last week. They also uh, had a Trevor Lawrence fumble when nobody was, you know, within two feet of him uh, on the 15-yard line. And last but not least, they got down with 16 seconds to go in the half to the three-yard line, and they threw the ball without any timeouts. The guy got tackled in bounds, and they didn't get points. So that's four times they got in scoring territory twice inside the 20-yard line, and they ended up going into the half without points. The Jaguars have committed turnovers all season in the other uh, in the other team's red zone when they were trying to go in and score, whether that also be from them trying to go for it, whether it be from a missed field goal here and there, which McManus has missed about three or four of them in the last three or four weeks, or whether to just get down there and turn the ball over. When you get those opportunities in the National Football League, they don't. You know, this is the only place – the only professional league where this statistic rings true. If you get down there 20% of the time, that means you're playing really, really well, right? You got to make it count, man, because the opportunities to do that are few and far in between. They have not been able to capitalize on that. They actually 
are were tied for first as of the other day they were tied for first in the league with creating turnovers at 25. the problem is when they went to cleveland they created three turnovers and then they turned the ball over themselves four times which negated that advantage that's just not winning football you have to learn how to protect the football they have some other warts um you just talked about the running back they got to stop him man you know they they haven't been able to stop the run and then in situational football they haven't looked the same the jaguars are the most jekyll and high football team but it doesn't happen from game to game bro it happens from quarter to quarter where one quarter they look lights out the next quarter things start going bad and they just can't turn it around so it's really a me versus me however if we want to just for the sake of the matchup and the game itself they got to make sure that they stop mike evans and uh the, the other wide receiver Conley. they got to they got to stop them they, they cannot win giving up easy contested catches to those guys and allow baker mayfield to pick them apart like those other quarterbacks have done all year yeah uh, i mean obviously godwin. Godwin. i mean chris godwin yeah yeah godwin coming off back-to-back fantastic performances bucks fans all over the place thanking his wife mariah for going off on instagram because as soon as that happened all of a sudden his target share skyrocketed i don't know maybe dave canals was like we got mike his thousand he's good now it's time to to hyper target godwin in, in reality it's they've they've taken godwin and they've gone back to what works right if it's not broke don't fix it. And they've moved Godwin more to that slot position and created those mismatches. And, and yeah, looking at it uh, and something that I'm going to bring up in, in my matchup is yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars, 25 takeaways, but 24 turnovers, only a plus one turnover differential. Uh, the Bucks, on the other hand, only have 20 takeaways, but they still have a plus six turnover differential. So that's, that's going to be a big thing to watch in, uh, in this game. For, for the Bucs, it's going to be Baker and those pass catchers against Jacksonville's defense. And, and I look for the Buccaneers' offense to set the tone early like they did against Green Bay, targeting Godwin and those manufactured mismatches over the middle, getting him lined up on a slot corner, getting him lined up against a linebacker, you know, things like that, and being able to move the ball systematically all the way down the field using Rashad White as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And then of course, letting Mike Evans do Mike Evans things because even when Evans is doubled, he's open. Now I, I did note that Jacksonville's defense has been really, really opportunistic and good at taking the ball away this season. And Baker Mayfield had a really bad stretch of turning the ball over. In fact, you could say that that stretches is still ongoing because he's turned the ball over in five of the last six games, but the Buccaneers are four and two in those games. So they've been able to overcome it. Thanks. As you mentioned, the defense being able to negate some of those turnovers by Baker in some of these games, but Mayfield has to take care of the football in this one because the Jags have defensive playmakers. There's no doubt about it. And, and one bad mistake could turn into six points the other way at the exact moment that you're turning the ball over and you don't want to get behind the eight ball and start forcing yourself into predictable situations against a defense that has 25 takeaways on the season, it's going to lead to bad things. So I'm not asking for Baker to throw for 380 and four and complete 78.5% of his passes like he did against Green Bay, but continue to throw receivers open the way we saw him against the Packers and spread the ball around, put together these long, sustained drives. Three and outs have been the biggest problem for the Buccaneers offense this season last week they had one three and out in nine possessions
It's very important uh, to, to remain on the field. Speaking of my keys from last week, I said the Jaguars had to make sure that they got off the field on third down and they had to make sure that they don't get put off the field on third down when they're on offense. A lot of that comes down to the trenches, and, and I'm glad we were able to get to the trenches because it's cliche to just go, oh, you got to win the trenches. No, you actually do have to win the trenches. The Bucks' offensive line struggled last year. Mr. Light has really done a marvelous job considering the retirement of Ali Marpet and all of that stuff to, to really get this line to play better. Of course, their left tackles out in Kansas City. He's gotten old Donovan Smith. But for some reason, they lost all of these bodies and they were able to, to find a semblance of an offensive line to really, really help this team. And I think part of the success has been because those guys have had more time to really gel because you talk about cohesion and continuity and all of that stuff. So they're probably better now at the end of the year where the Jaguars seem to be regressing the other way, where the line, the, you know, they're, they're playing musical chairs because of injuries. And then many of the guys that they have just aren't very good. Let me ask you, is Vita Vea playing? Uh, he, I, I would guess so. Obviously we haven't had any, any practices or any injury reports. He did play against the Packers last week, but he was on a pitch count. All right. So that's a problem because Luke <laughs> Fortner has been a turnstile. Okay. In terms of the center for the Jaguar, he, he, he's a real good technical player. He's just not very strong. And that, and when I think of guys that I don't want him to go against because he's not very strong, I think of Chris Jones. I think of Jeffrey Simmons. And oh, by the way, I think of Vita Vea down in Tampa. That is that, that is like it's almost an oxymoron. Like, you really, really, you're gonna put him in there? Are you serious? That's like taking a chihuahua, uh, you know, on patrol with you saying you gotta go catch the bad guy. So that's hard for me to even imagine that that's gonna turn out in a favorable way. And whoever the quarterback is is gonna have a long day because there's a very short distance between that nose tackle or that guy that's one gapping or two gapping and the quarterback. It's the shortest distance for, for a pass rusher. And that's the problem, in my opinion, that they've had all season. All right. Well, Wig, who is the most important player for the Jaguars on Sunday? Whoever plays quarterback, whether it's Trevor <laughs> Lawrence or C.J. Beathard, protecting the football is paramount. It's important. It's it's important for all teams, but it's really important for teams that have struggled to, to maintain. Or, or as Doug Peterson said, they haven't played a clean game yet. And the, the, there's nothing that could dirty a game up worse their quarterback and maybe a close second is bad offensive line play. So, and the Jaguars have had bad offensive line play and in stretches have had sketchy quarterback play, even though Trevor has these traits and he has all of this great ability and he has franchise uh, type talent. He hasn't always played up to that uh, franchise type talent. All right. Well, for the Buccaneers and, and to the Locked On Bucks listeners, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I think I've said this guy's name six or seven times this season. It's Antoine Winfield Jr., or as we call him on Locked On Bucks, Antoine Hemfield Jr. He's been the do-it-all guy. Uh, the, the Jags have plenty of playmakers on offense, regardless of who the quarterback is. They have big-time wide receivers. They got Travis Etienne out of the backfield. They have guys that can make plays. But Winfield's ability to drop in coverage, to play in the box, and to get to the quarterback are vital in this one. You're likely going to see Levante David being that sideline to sideline roaming guy, keeping an eye on ETN. But Winfield needs to be allowed to be the versatile guy that has made him so successful this season with Zion McCollum, the second year corner, stepping up in a big way despite injuries to Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. And then whether 
it's Dean or Davis playing the other corner spot and then utilizing D Delaney and Kayvon Merriweather at the other safety position that has allowed Winfield to be that floater and to make plays all over the field. He forced a safety against the Falcons a couple weeks ago, uh, was the team's leading tackler against the Packers again for the upteenth time this season. When the Bucs have needed a splash play, it's been Hemfield making it, and they'll need at least a couple of those coming up on Sunday. But we're going to talk about what has to go right for each team to get the win and, of course, score predictions. That's coming up next here on Locked on Bucks and Locked on Jags. Did the game go to timeout? Time to order in with DoorDash. Is it halftime? That's ordering time. Two-minute warning. You got it. That's your cue to order in. Order pizza, wings, soda, burgers, or even just buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Take advantage of all the local restaurants in your area. I'm getting my dinner from a local spot called Bullwinkles and their famous fall-off-the-bone rack of ribs and a slice of their homemade carrot cake to finish things right. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game ready. Get prepared before the game and stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash, then get ready to watch your team win. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23, subject to change, Terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code L-O-C-K-E-D, the number two, the number three, subject to change, terms apply. Wrapping things up here on a crossover Thursday episode of Locked on Jaguars and Locked on Bucks. We've talked about a lot on this episode, Wig, but we have to talk about what has to go right for each team to get a win. So what is the big thing you're looking for here, Wig? What has to happen? What dominoes need to fall for uh, Jacksonville to get the road win? All right, super easy to, to just be cliche and say uh, protect the football. Uh, I, I never say don't fumble or don't turn it over. I like to be more positive and say just protect the football. Also take advantage of opportunities, get off the field on third down. But – if you want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into it, they have to get out of their own way. They just have to get out of the funk. And that's what they've been in. If you watch the Cincinnati game, it was an overtime loss by three points. If you watch the Cleveland game, they were right there knocking on the door. So the thing about it is the only game where they really, really didn't look the part in these last three has been the Baltimore game. And that's really because they blew a bunch of opportunities. They were losing 10 to nothing. And they probably should have been up 12 to 10 or maybe even 16 to 10. Uh, but the thing is, is when it all fell apart in the second half, it fell apart real, real ugly. You ever see somebody fall like they trip, but then you see somebody try to stop their fall and the fall looks way worse than it's supposed That's how they look. They look like, oh, my God, man, just go ahead and fall already. Don't. Don't do the. There's a video on YouTube of a dude somewhere in New York. He's slipping in the snow and he slipped for 45 minutes. And this, I, I watch it every six months. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, Jaguar fans aren't laughing because it's a bit of a disaster. Because when the Jaguars start falling, it looks awful. So hopefully they don't have any of those moments. And the way to do that is just to get back to blocking and tackling and sound football and protecting the football. Yeah, I, I do enjoy those videos uh, of of the people trying to stay up and still falling. <laughs> it's anyway. The worst thing ever, man. I'm telling you. Uh, 
For the Buccaneers, uh, you alluded to it. They have to get after the quarterback. I don't care if it's Lawrence. I don't care if it's Beathard. The Buccaneers have to get after the quarterback, get them rattled early in the game. They have that advantage with Vita Vea there at the nose tackle, but they need help from some other guys. I talked about it on a show earlier in the week that Yaya Diaby, who was kind of the new hotness, all of a sudden has started to fade away. They need more out of him. We need to see more out of Kalijah Kansi, who's been fantastic, but still needs to be a guy that can take advantage of his mismatch along that offensive line. But then, of course, something that Vita Vea does week in and week out is he opens lanes like an offensive lineman for a running back for guys like Levante David, Servassier Dennis, K.J. Brent, and Antoine Winfield Jr. to come in and just absolutely destroy the quarterback. So get that pressure early. Get whoever the quarterback is a little shaky, a little rattled. It's hard to rattle Trevor Lawrence. I understand that, but this is a guy that has still turned the ball over 14 times this season with 10 interceptions and four fumbles, and, and you brought up the one that he just straight up dropped the ball. There wasn't anyone near him. He was sliding down, and he drops the ball. So you can get the ball if you can get after the quarterback and the Bucs need to maximize their ability to steal possessions away from the Jaguars and not let this thing get close, pull away early, and then Todd Bowles can pin the ears back and bring the house after whoever the quarterback is to make sure that they keep that lead. There's one thing, though. There's one There's one little extra thing with, with Jacksonville. You never want to play a backup, right? But one thing that tends to happen is when you have your starter in and he has this magnificent talent, you're always pressing because you know you can get away with stuff, right? Yeah. Like Steph Curry when he shoots 33-footers. I played basketball and I even coach basketball. That's a bad shot to 99.999% of the people, but he's allowed to do it. I think with a backup, and it's not sustainable, but with a backup, we've seen it several times around the league. We saw it with guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. What happens is you tighten everything up because you don't call the game as if you have Steph Curry out on the court. What happens is you just go back to the basics of everything and you simplify stuff. And sometimes it works out in your favor. And by, you know, just by default, the whole team learns, oh, if we just stick to the basics, we're all right. And then you bring back the guy with the special effects and he's allowed to do certain things. But with the idea that, no, we're still going to have to be fundamentally sound in all areas. Sometimes, you know, it works out that way. I'm hopeful that that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. So we're going to get to the score prediction. I'm going to pick the Bucks because the Jaguars are so banged up to win this game 31 to 20. Okay. It, honestly, that was a great point by you because sometimes keeping it simple is the most effective way to do things. I When I went to culinary school, I had a um, a – teacher that constantly walked around banging spatulas on all the metal tables saying keep it simple stupid keep it simple stupid keep it yes. simple stupid and sometimes that's the best way to do it you can get fancy if you want to but might bite you in the butt um i'm taking a look at at this game at this matchup and i i can't believe i'm about to pick the buccaneers to win a fourth consecutive game but they're at home I, I think this matchup favors them, especially in the trenches. I have it a little closer than you do, but I'm taking the Bucks to win this one, 27 to 23. I think 31-20, I think the game is closer than that. I just think in typical Jaguars fashion, they give up something at the end trying to come back. Uh, but let's get back to this culinary school real quick. I know we got to get out of here, but 
I get out in the kitchen a little bit. I'm self-taught and self-trained, man. So we got to have that conversation one day, man. We got we got we got to talk about you know shallots and onions and the miracle and all of that. See, I just hit you with something oh, yeah. you never thought that was coming for me, did it? <laughs> Wig out here dropping mirepoix references. I love it. And, you know, we have a couple of listeners that are chefs that I talk to about food outside of, of the Locked On Bucks uh, podcast. So, you know, they're going to enjoy hearing that. But, yeah, I, I did the culinary school. I was a chef for 15 years and then got out of the industry. It really stinks when, when a place that you work can take something that you love so much and just ruin it for you. And so... You know, well, now you know you just you just described Jaguar fans with the exception of the work <laughs> part. They they love it so much they got two primetime games for the first time in forever within a three week span, and the team laid an egg. So uh, they they'll get that. My, my fans are gonna sit here and go, "We need to bring Yarko back on because he's speaking our language." <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Bucks and Locked on Jaguars on a crossover Thursday episode. Make sure that you are coming back tomorrow as both of us are going to wrap up the week with final previews of this game. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy. And thank you so much for joining us here on a crossover Thursday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.